This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 380. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm really pleased today to have a special guest with me. His name is Brandon LaBeouf uh, with Nola Attack Firearms Training and all kinds of different things, Brandon. Like you've got like, I don't know how many different businesses, but you're wearing yeah, a shirt right there. Yeah, a, a couple of balls. Yeah, you, you got a shirt right there, St. Bernard Indoor Shooting yeah. Center. That's Saint yours Bernard too, right? Indoor Shooting Center is our, uh, our indoor shooting rink. Yeah. All kinds of busyness and craziness going on in Brandon's life. Uh, we'll get into things more with Brandon here in a moment. Let him do a proper introduction, and we'll learn a little bit about him if you're not familiar with Brandon. Uh, but uh, first, today's episode, uh, honorary sponsor will be Nolatac. Nolatac family of companies. <laughs> and then uh, also our, our, our official episode sponsor is Guardian Nation. So I'd encourage you to head on over to guardianation.com, learn more what Guardian Nation is all about and what it has to offer to you, which, you know, we're going to talk a lot today about education with Brandon and Guardian Nation. Like one of the core components of membership in Guardian Nation is all of the members only videos and content pieces and all that stuff. A lot of education, a lot of info, that sort of thing, plus access to all the discounts, training opportunities, all of that. All part of Guardian Nation, and I just saw the other day a couple of you brand new Guardian Nation members, and that makes me just so happy. So, thanks for uh, for being part of the family. Uh, you just need a little bit of a kick in the pants. You're 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 staying on the edge. You're looking over. You're like, ah, Guardian Nation thing looks pretty sweet. Well, take take advantage of a 14 day free trial. This is not advertised anywhere except for on the podcast. But if you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash 14 day, as in one four d a y then you can do a 14-day free trial, see if it's for you, and then stick around maybe. Yep, Tris is a new GN member. Thank you, Tris. Man, you're you're the bomb. So, guys, let's jump into it here with Brandon. Uh, Brandon, I, you know, I've actually, I've probably known about you longer than you've known about me. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a nobody in the industry, but uh, uh, I think when I first learned of you was probably probably from some Facebook post somewhere at one time, like, Who's this Brandon guy? Like, sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I think, you know. <laughs> Either that or you were mad at me, one of the two. That's oh, that could be too. <laughs> I, I've seen some interactions, people uh, not, not. Yeah, you know, you're out there uh, slatering, slaughtering, slaughtering those sacred cows that some people uh, tend to hang on to with regards to shooting guns, firearms training, that sort of stuff. Uh, and, you know, that's the thing. So, Really, what's what's brought us together here today, Brandon, is, um, you know, we, we we touched base, we connected, and and you mentioned that you've got this new program coming out uh, right now. Like you're you're in like launch phase, yeah. which I'm really excited about. Uh, which is a professional firearms education program, an opportunity for people to get, as you've described it in one of your videos, a bachelor's degree kind of equivalent of firearms instructor education and training right yep and we yeah. actually have programs that lead up to uh to a doctoral level um program so. that is man that's awesome so we're gonna get we're gonna dive deep on that a little mm -hmm. bit let brandon tell us what, what that's all about and some of you viewing or listening may even be interested in participating in that and i'll tell you i'll give you a little tease that you can pay for this education through your gi bill and I know we got veterans watching, so there may be some of you like, hmm, what's my next phase in life? What do I want to do next? Like, what, where am I going from here? I've always wanted to be an instructor or this or that or whatever. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to get into that. Brandon will give us all the details. But first, Brandon, tell us, how did you get to be where you are today? What's your background? Well, what had happened was, um, you know, I'm from South Louisiana, so I kind of always grew up in that more rural kind of. I wasn't really a big hunter necessarily, but it was kind of always around guns, playing in the woods, that kind of thing. Um, from a young age, I always had a uh, kind of a fascination with the military. Uh, people in my family had been in it, things like that. So, of course, uh, I guess it, you know, my dad taught me how to shoot. Uh, probably one of the only real positive things with my dad growing up, to be quite honest. Uh, <clears throat> but graduated high school, uh, six o'clock on a on, I think, a Friday night, and then 6 o'clock the next Saturday morning, I was on a plane headed to uh, to boot camp for the Marine Corps in San Diego. 
Um, initially went in a reserve, spent 11 years in the Marine Corps, seven of that active duty. Uh, during that entire time, I also was a, uh, a reserve police officer. Actually started that immediately after I got back from boot camp in 95. And um, it's been, been doing that ever since. So I've kind of always been around firearms. Um, I like to talk. So that coupled with uh, me having about four functional brain cells, I guess, made me someone who had a kind of a an ability to teach others. Um, and I've just always been down that path. Um, in the Marine Corps, I was on the rifle and pistol team. And one of the kind of collateral duties of that was we taught uh, what the Marine Corps calls primary marksmanship instructors or PMIs. Uh, they're the people that teach firearms either at the uh, units or, or in boot camp. So we taught that course um, to units over the, over the summer. So um, I really enjoyed doing that. And then same thing, I, I always kind of, um, I'm, I'm one of those fortunate people that my my hobby and what my interest are is also my, my job and my profession. So uh, when other guys were taking leave and, and vacation to go to you know, golfing or Disney or something like that, I was going to firearms classes. So I enjoyed going to classes and training and learning. And uh, all that learning, you know, gave me a certain perspective and uh, allowed me to then kind of do more of teaching and helping others. So I started doing that in pretty much every capacity that I could uh, law enforcement, military. And then I started my own business, uh, Noble Tech Firearms Training, uh, I think around 2007 formally. Um, I mean, I had been doing it before, but I think the LLC was formed in 2007. Uh, mainly doing concealed hanging permit classes and things like that, private one-on-one instruction stuff in, uh, in Louisiana. And then um, did a, a stand as a private military contractor around 2010 and 11 timeframe. Uh, came back from that, uh, traveled uh, for about a year and a half, two years training. Um, I ran, uh, if anybody's familiar with uh, Travis Haley, with Haley Strategic Partners, I kind of helped him stand that company up and, and him and I were traveling, teaching uh, for about a year or so. Then uh, during that time, I had also purchased this indoor shooting range. It was kind of sitting here. It had been arranged prior to Hurricane Katrina. Um, I bought it actually two weeks before I went to Afghanistan on a contract and leased it so no one else could buy it. And then um, uh, after about a year or two of getting back, I was like, man, I need to do something with this. So for the next couple of years, we worked on this and just kind of bootstrapped, got it back open up in uh, March of 2014. Uh, we've been running this place since then. And then I uh, still do some traveling, instructing and stuff, at, you know, like law enforcement conferences and things like that. We um, also had an indoor, uh, I'm sorry, an outdoor shooting range, uh, Noltec Training Center that uh, until uh, May of this last year, we uh, they didn't renew our lease, but it was very successful. People liked it. So we actually have quite a bit of investment interest and we're currently trying to find a new piece of property uh, to rebuild it at. So that's that's something that's coming back. Um, and then, you know, just staying in that vein of education and, you know, we had our um, our various programs and stuff come out. So that's kind of basically me in a nutshell. Nothing too uh, nothing too extravagant, kind of a, a little bit of a jack of all trades, some law enforcement, military, private contracting, uh, master's degree in criminal justice, which is completely irrelevant um, <laughs> and just doing a lot of time, you know, on the podium teaching. Yeah. Awesome, man. And thanks for sharing that with us. Uh so, I mean, you make it sound like it's not that big a deal, but, but really, I mean, you've done a lot of different things and experienced a lot of things. And, and I, I find that to be pretty, pretty helpful and also very relevant to as far as what you're doing. Um, and so, first of all, uh, best of luck with uh, getting the outdoor range, uh, you know, and all that figured out. Uh, we actually have a viewer on YouTube here, Andrew. He says, thanks for having Brandon on. I love his shooting range. I try to go every two weeks. So Thanks, man. I appreciate the support. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so let's get into this uh, this program that you're in the middle of uh, kicking off. Uh, you know, tell us what it is and 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 what it means for people, uh, where they can learn more about it, and, and also some of the you know options for being able to pay for it. Okay. Yeah. So it's um it's a separate <clears throat> business, if you will, but we call it Noltec Veterans Training Program. And um, you know, the name would make it sound like it's only for veterans. It's not. It's something that's that's optimized for veterans. Um, like I said, I have a master's degree in criminal justice. I utilized both tuition assistance when I was on active duty, as well as uh, some of my GI bill um, to get that. And that's, you know, I'm 42 years old and it was, you know, beat into me that, you know, the kind of the only way you get from where you are 
to where you want to be in life is, you know, you got to have an education and by all means, education is absolutely important, but not necessarily a formal college degree for everybody. Um, you know, as a guy who has a master's degree, literally not a single thing I've ever done in school has played a pivotal role in any, any of my you know levels of success as I define it. Um, really and truly what's got me to wherever I am has been those traits that I learned quite honestly in the Marine Corps. That's first and foremost, integrity. Um, I've gotten where I'm at, not because I'm an amazing person, but because amazing people see something in me and decide to help me. Um, and I, I tend to try to judge a person, not necessarily a hundred percent by who they are, but by a hundred, but, but by the type of people that choose to surround them, because that's more indicative because mm. we always are going to put our own best image forward. That's just human nature. But when you see the quality of people that surround a person, that tells you something about that person. How many animals drink from a given water hole? Let you know a little bit about how good that water is. And that's you know kind of how, how I look at it. But, um, you know, long story, short version, we had a program similar to what we have that was in our area started by a guy I know that was um, you know, relatively successful and they utilized our facilities to do their program. So I got to see it firsthand. And then um, at you know the range, we hire predominantly veterans. So a lot of the people that were in the program, I think like four or five of them at one point work here. In fact, one of them worked here until just most recently. Um, so we got a lot of firsthand intimate knowledge. And while I think the program was great and the guy who was running it had done phenomenal groundwork, there was just, it was lacking in some regards. And there was some legitimate reasons for that and whatnot, but I, I kind of looked at it. I was like, man, it's a good idea, but it's just not being executed. So there was a point in time where we were looking at possibly purchasing that business. And then it was like, eh, that didn't work out thankfully. But then I was like, you know what? I can, I can do this. So I built it what I thought it should be. And it was amazing. And then I, uh, I brought in four of my peers from across the country and basically was like, hey, tell me what you think. And then I left the room for a day. And when I came back, they had completely slaughtered everything I did and uh, rebuilt it. And it was, it was 10 times more than I ever could have thought. Um, so we made it a lot more comprehensive. Uh, one of the things when you, when you build a program and you are trying to get it approved to accept things like the GI Bill, it has to make the, the, the veteran more entrepreneurial or, you know, make them more employable. And the problem yeah. is with some of the other programs that were out there, it was basically you showed up, you got a stack of certificates. Good luck. Well, that's great and all. But like, number one, this person doesn't know how to start an LLC, how to get a logo, how to run social media, insurance, payroll, like none of that. Like mm. that, that's literally the first step of, of starting a business. So. One, I wanted there to be a core business school. And we've the Noltech Veterans Training Program is a university. I mean, we are, are literally a vocational university. And of course, the university has colleges in it. And the two programs that we the first two programs we got approved fall in the College of Firearms. Um, and then, you know, there's programs within that. So uh, the, the main program of the first program is what we call Professional Firearms Educators Program. And that is a uh, six month program. Uh, the current scheduling is at six months. Uh, two days a week. We're, we're flirting with some other schedules like a compressed five day a week program, a summer set. But right now, the first cohort that starts February 4th is a uh, six month, two day a week program that is structured to be like a bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. So you start with the six week business school. So you don't learn how to build a business. You actually build a business. So at the end of this program, you have a business. You have your LLC, you have your logo, you have your social media, you're already building content for it. All your like all that's part of it. Like the program, it's building a business. While you're doing that, you're also getting um, many of the certifications you need. One of the things that I think separates us from is I make a very hard line distinction between a certification and a qualification. I've got a three ring metal binder right there that has more certifications from stuff that doesn't even exist anymore than most people. Um, one of them in there that I always use an example is I'm an, I'm an HK armor. I have a certification that says it, but if you threw an HK in front of me and told me to tear it down to the bare bone, I, I'm not qualified. I'm certified, but I'm not qualified because it's not something I do. It's not something I have that depth of knowledge in. So we start to build that in with the students and the mindset. Um, 
and a lot of what drives how we kind of design this is, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I know personally most of the kind of players in this field, both at the national level as well as locally in, in my kind of little region. And, and the problem is, is that we'd like to think that since law enforcement and military compromise a large section of who are, is out there providing training, that it's a high integrity thing and it's not. Um, so, so one, I just want to elevate the mean level of instructor as, as just their quality as a human being in one part and just kind of the ethics and integrity that they, they run business. So that's all that is in the DNA of everything we do. It's, it's through there. Um, but this takes you through all uh, 13 or so. I think it ends up being, let me pull my notes, but I think it ends up being uh, like 18 different specifically instructor certifications. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then it's, um, it comes out to like a total of, of 23 different um, certifications you get. So all the ones the NRA has, all the instructor disciplines teach, all the NRA programs, United States Concealed Care Association instructor, the NRA's new CCW instructor. Then you're doing um, Hunter's Ed instructor, archery instructor. Um, we have a, um, uh, a, a very robust medical portion. So uh, trauma, a TCCC trauma, uh, first aid, CPR, AED, bloodborne pathogens. You're going through all the, all the business stuff. You'll be set up, you know, in Louisiana, if you're a Louisiana person to be a CHP instructor here. So it, it, it does all that kind of foundational check in the box. I need these pieces of paper, you know, from a legal perspective, but then it starts to steer towards defensive or in it. Cause that's the reality is that people are going to take this program and then want to go teach their local CHP course or their defensive handgun course. So we, we want to, the kind of the, the, the internal thing we, we say with this program is instead of just making fun of people online, which we're probably still going to do, we're going to actually provide them a path to do it right. Yeah. Where we would look at these instructors that are clown shoes and be like, ha ha, this guy's ridiculous. We're still going to do that. But if they want to, there's actually a path to not be clown shoes now is what we're, what we're trying to provide. Um, so this sets all that foundational stuff, all the business stuff, all of that. Um, and it, um, no, I think it's a, it's a very robust program. And then of course, as I said, we start to steer towards defensive. So then we'll be doing stuff like I'm trying, it's just going to be a scheduling thing. It'll change depending on the given cohort, but like Tom Givens from range master is a, is a friend and mentor of mine. So in fact, I just got back from his first master instructor course. So I was mm -hmm. one of the first 19 people to go through it kind of, um, but, uh, we want to get them prepared for that. And then that leads into the second program that will be approved probably the beginning of next year, which is the, um, the Working Titles Professional Firearms Instructor Trainer Program. So that now takes the person from being an instructor to being a person who creates instructors. So that's modeled very heavily after the NRA and the USCCA's Training Council Program. That's a 12-month program. And basically what you do is that program split up because by that point we'll have different time slots of the other one going. But for the next 12 months, those people are teaching the following cohorts of the PFET program. So they're literally doing it. The thing with instructing is this. Um, some people are just gifted at speaking. They have good charisma and they can, enter, you know, they can exchange with people. But even those people start somewhere. OK. Um, one of the biggest fears that most human beings have is, is crowds and speaking in front of people. The only way to get through that, you can take all the classes you want, read all the books you want, and those are helpful. You just got to do it. It's it's an acclimation thing. So most instructors, I mean, I own a facility. This is what we do. We do two CHP classes a month. So, and I don't even teach them. I got a guy that teaches them. So if that guy's you know working on himself, that's two opportunities a month to present. That's actually pretty high. Most people that are doing this are doing it as a side hustle and not a primary thing. So in a year, he's had 24 opportunities to teach or as this program, by the nature of it, you're going to get about five to 10 years of experience presenting in that window. So your comfort level is, is, is highly escalated. Um, and then each program just compresses that more and more and more. So a guy that goes through all three programs and, you know, a 30, 36 months of programs has close to 36 years of experience presenting, not necessarily experiential knowledge, but I'm saying practice and, and actually teach. So the comfort level is there. And that's a big part of how impactful a, a trainer or instructor can be. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that PFAP one's approved. And then we also have a three-month uh, security guard training academy. Here in Louisiana, where we're at, 
Uh, to be an armed security guard requires a whopping 24 hours of training. This is a 270-hour academy modeled after a police wow. academy that in many regards, because I've taught at police academy, in many regards teaches a much greater depth. Like the legal, we teach more legal in-depth in that security guard academy than most police academies teach about firearms and that stuff. So um, mm. this is designed for someone who wants to start their own private security business or wants to be you know, an executive or, or a high-level supervisor in that. Um, same current format, two two days a week. That one kicks off, I think, mid part of, of the year. We basically get a, a cohort done of the first of the PFAF, and then we, we're going to roll that. Um, so that we're looking to hopefully become. We're actually that one has much more integration with job placement and things because we're working with the companies in our area, both for them to feed us and us to feed them applicants. Mm. So there's a lot more job placement opportunity involved in that. Um, and we actually one of our investors is a security guard company. So all that kind of plays in. Um, but the, um, you know, those, those two are, are off and running. And then we've got the next two on the firearms thing, but we have completely, un we have CrossFit instructor, Krav Maga instructor, personal trainer, dive instructor. We may get into some flight program stuff, but probably not hunting and fishing guide, dog trainer. And then, I mean, we're working on a program that's kind of a firearms customization degree. So like, mm -hmm stippling, lasering, uh, seracoding, those current things that people do to guns yeah. to actually learn how to do that. Um, so we, and, and people that's are cool. getting other ideas. So that's cool because almost all the gunsmith schools, like there's two of them out here in Colorado. Uh, they teach gunsmithing like, like they did 50 years ago. <laughs> well, hey, look, <laughs> hey, some of that's still important. Absolutely. Like gun, like here, people ask you do gunsmithing. And we generally say, yeah, but we don't. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. do like advanced armor work. Like yep. unless you have a lathe and a mill, you're not doing gunsmithing. Yep. You're doing armor stuff. So um, that is not my area of expertise. And that's probably a little bigger animal than we want to bite right now. And those guys are doing it for like uh, Snow and Desert Institute and all those places. They're doing a great job in that field. So I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm not a me too person. I'm not just going to mimic what some, if I don't see a way that I can make an impact or I could do something distinctly different, I don't mess with it. Yeah. I just think there's a, there's a bit of a void as far as like high quality education in, you know, most people that are doing stippling and stuff like that, it, it's self-taught. They're just like, uh, oh, grab a spare, you know, Glock frame and, uh, just experiment. <laughs> Oops, screwed that one up. All right, go buy a new frame. <laughs> of course, it's actually a lot easier these days with, uh, you can buy P320 grip modules all day long and they're inexpensive and not actually having to replace guns. But anyway, that's cool. Um, man, I'm really excited about that. In fact, we, we actually have a question in here from Jared. Uh, he says, how would, it, how would it apply to someone that already is qualified and certified instructor with a small business, but they're looking to expand their business? And how does it work outside of Louisiana? Um, so the, the certifications you'll get are, are, for lack of a better term, national. So, I mean, you're talking NRA, USCCA, um, you know, Tom Gibbett, like they're not secular to Louisiana. The other thing right. I'll say, and I don't know if you're speaking of yourself, Jarrett, like, like you're asking the question for yourself or, or, or hypothetic for someone else. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be flippant about it, but, but the right answer is if someone is positioning themselves and asking that question from, I'm already qualified and certified, they're not qualified. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and it's a mindset thing. So, so if someone's to the point that they say is something that granted, do I probably need to go to another NRA basic pistol instructor court? No. And I get that. But what I, I, I want to caution people is that it's not just this certificate, that certificate. There's a lot of other material that binds it. Right. So it, tremendous amount of legal. Now is a lot of the legal geared towards Louisiana. Yes. But the way we teach the legal is, um, and I teach specifically everyone. I got to look at my security cameras every once in a while. Um, <laughs> Sure. The um, the le real quick, the law is a language, right? Just like say French. Every language is gonna have dialects. So I'm near in South Louisiana. Okay, the people that speak there's probably eight dialects of that just within driving distance of me. So if if Boudreaux and Thibodeau from down the Bayou go to France and start talking French, their people in France are gonna look at them like they're crazy. They literally don't understand what they're saying because it's different dialects. Then within a given dialect, people have accents. So if you transpose that to the law, the law 
is a language. Different states have different dialects. And then when you look at states, when you start looking at how the law is actually applied in real life, that's kind of like an accent. Um, so the way we teach that, we teach you how to understand the language so that if you go to a place like a state that has a different dialect, all you got to do is read the statute and you know what the words mean. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a really gross oversimplification of what we do. But but it's 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 much broader than just, oh, they're going to teach me Louisiana's laws. We're going to use Louisiana's laws to teach you the law. If that clarifies that point, as far mm-hmm. as the other thing, I would just say, um, and, and you may, I see you made a comment too about that's one of the problems is there's a lot of people who think I've been doing this for 40 years. And that's what I say to people all the time is I use that exact phrase. I say, you know, there's a lot of people that say I've been doing this for 40 years and there's a lot of people that have been doing things for a lot longer wrong. Oh yeah. You know? So that's part of it. And that's the hard part for me to articulate is not the bullet points of the course. It's the things that, we do. It's not the meat and potatoes. It's the seasoning we put on the meat and potatoes that makes this program different. We got a lot higher quality meat and a lot nicer potatoes, but it's really the seasoning and how we make it taste because of the like perfect example. Many of the other programs, you're ta- taking the same instructors teaching you every day. And that nothing wrong with that. But that breeds a familiarity that drives down performance. So what we're doing is we're flying in training counselors on things I could teach. I could save the money, teach it myself, but I, I don't always want them hearing from me or, or my guy or that guy. I want different instructors coming from across the country. So it's changing. They having to pay attention, the behavior changes and they're seeing different teaching styles. So there's a lot of little nuances like that, that um, quite frankly come from me seeing other programs and saying, I don't like that and changing it. Mm. Um, but it would absolutely apply to people from out of state. Um, and to that point, while I'm thinking about it, we also are able to offer lodging. So um, while there's certainly a, a area that it's not going to make sense to drive to and from every week for say you're in like Pensacola, say you're like in Dallas, you could come in the Monday night, the classes right now are scheduled on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You could come in the Monday night, you have lodging through the Wednesday night and then you can go home. So, so you don't have to worry about that. And if you are a veteran that's taking it, you're probably going to end up getting by. So you get the BH basic allowance for housing. So you're able to keep that money and use that for other stuff. Um, you know, most everything's going to be covered in the tuition. You, depending on how our, the rest of our sponsorships work out after shot, um, your ammo may be covered. You're probably going to be walking away with at least a gun holster. Like so, so it's there's a little more to it than just that. Yeah. But um, but it absolutely applies to people outside of Louisiana. Awesome. That's great. But, but obviously people, I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, I expected this. I don't know if that was made clear though, to some viewing or watching or listening that, uh, uh, you know, this, this is the kind of training you, you gotta be there in person to participate in. It's not, not a distance learning program, right? Nope. Yeah. And and you mentioned you got some other instructors that, uh, you've, you've already started talking to and, and getting on board with all of this. Uh, in fact, in one of your videos I watched, uh, you listed off some, I don't remember all the names now, but I was kind of like, Oh, 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 that's, that's great. Like, so tell us who you got. So like, for example, you know, we talk about trauma and everyone thinks, you know, and I teach a trauma class. Like I, I have a class that we have on our schedule that I teach, but for that program, we're bringing in, we're working with Carrie Davis from dark angel medical, yeah. which Pretty, pretty much the top guy, him and Caleb Causey with Lone Star Medic. So those two, depending on schedule, will be the guys that teach it. Like right now today, if I want to take a, med- a trauma medicine course, those are the dudes I would pay my money to to go as a you know big time instructor type guy. Yep. So it's not it, it. And that's the part that people need to kind of, you know, that they may or may not be aware of um, for the def- defensive oriented stuff. We're, we're, we're talking about um, uh, either Masad Ayub or. Uh, Tom Givens with Range Master, um, you know, some other people come in again, that'll kind of swap depending on those, because those guys obviously are traveling the country teaching as well. Um, and then other than that, the other parts of the program that I've proprietarily created come from my training background and my training pedigree. In other words, where do the words that come out of my mouth come from? Well, they come from the uh, amalgamation of all the people I've trained with. Yep. So like I'm, um, I'm, Friends and 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 talk, you know, with Masad Ayu, with Andrew Branca, the law of self-defense. Those are the two premier. If you want to be a legal expert, as it refers to anything in the defensive field, um, those are kind of the two go-to guys in self-defense. Yep. So Andrew, I was one of the first graduates of Andrew's instructor program. 
Um, I've taken uh, Moss's shooting and, and legal classes. Um, when I get can get the schedule, I'm taking his uh, law of self. I mean, his um, uh, defensive tactics instructor, uh, or I'm sorry, judicious use of force instructor course. And, you know, I'm constantly taking stuff. And, and then I'm also using my knowledge and formal training of the law. to build. So it's it's you're getting almost like those instructors for free through through it. Um, and then some of them will step in personally and teach it as part of the program, you know, um, when some of that material comes up. So um, and that's just in the in the in the uh, the PFAP program, the, the one that's that's open right now. Once we get into the, the, the doctoral degree, the, the defensive firearms instructor program, that one's uh, 18 months. You come to class two days a week, but two weekends a month for the first 12 months, you're taking a tactical class. From any name you've ever heard of, Kyle DeFore, Kyle Lamb, Jer- uh, Larry Vickers, Tom Givens, Pat McNamara, Mike Pannone, um, I may get Travis or Chris to come down. So like all these big name people, mm. you're doing two of those classes a month. So in Jeez. the first 12 months, you'll take 25 classes from 25 different instructors. You may take five handgun classes, but it's going to be from five different instructors. And the intent with that is at this level we are really sculpting like that. Basically what that program is, is when me and my peers would sit down and drink whiskey at a fire after class and say, man, if I won the lottery, I'd do this. (laughs) It's that no corners cut. I mean, not zero, but zero to hero legitimately in that time. So that person goes through that program. So for those first 12 months, they'll probably fire 40 to 60,000 rounds in that first 12 months with what amounts to probably about 200,000. I mean, it's taken me rough estimate in 20 years of doing this. I estimate I've spent about $250,000 and I've gotten a lot of classes for free for in training, ammo, like just devoted yeah. to me, to me getting better. So you're getting a lot of that in a, it's taken me 20 years. So you're getting that in that compressed time frame. But the intent is that at that point, we're building musicians. And what I mean by that is a, a good musician is influenced by people. They don't copy them. They don't, right. they, they don't sound like um, Louis Armstrong, but you can hear hints of it. They're influenced. So that's why we want to give that broad spectrum of experience to people because there may be a guy who resonates with the way Pat McNamara is. And that that's what identifies with him. Someone else might be more reserved, like a you know, like a Larry Vickers. So you know, it's just different, mm-hmm. different things. And then the last six months of that program, they drop down to one of those classes a month. Now they're building their curriculum. They have to build two separate curriculums, a one day and a two day on two completely different topics that has to be submitted to the because we have a board, the advisory board has to sign off on it. They have to present it to their peers. Then they have to from start to finish. I mean, build the target frames, everything teach market fill that course um mm. and then there's a there's a shooting qual entry and exit or a review board for both i mean it is a they have to do a doctoral thesis it is 100% formatted like a doctoral program and that and that those classes are on everything handgun shotgun carbine low light precision force on force driving vehicle cqb combatives anything that you can so they get that it's not making them experts in all those things but it's rounding out that contextual knowledge so that when they build their program, they're not just mimicking and changing a few things from someone else. They're mm-hmm. using all these influences that they've had to build something that is truly uniquely theirs, but has been influenced by quality vetted individuals. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm jealous. I'd like to participate, but uh, if I want to stay married and be a father <laughs> to my kids, uh, I guess I'd have to move to Louisiana. <laughs> So, dang, man, that's that's really cool. Uh, really, really, really exciting. There's a question. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of addressed this, but maybe if you could just kind of hit on this head on. And that is uh, for Mark. He says, uh, "Can hobbyists take the courses too?" I mean, like, I think oh, your point is, is is somebody that's just kind of they've been shooting, maybe doing a little bit of instructing, but they're just sort of looking to. They're not planning to do it as a job. Right. Right. No, a hundred percent. And um, actually, I think I did a video on that or or one, but. And I was guilty of it too, is, is there's this tendency in our industry for people to very um, self-identify with how they train. So for example, um, 
we'll call them, people will call them cert chasers, right? Guys who have no quote reason to take right. a course. And it's like, and it just don't, I'm like, first off, who are you to tell me why I need to train? Now, there's certainly people who go out and get a bunch of certificates, create this big resume where they have no actual qualification in a topic. They just look what I've done. And I'm not talking about that. Um, but that's what I did in the beginning. I just liked shooting. It wasn't about I was trying to craft an occupation. I just enjoyed doing it. I don't like mm -hmm. to golf. I don't, you know, like that's my golf is I like to go to a class. So I was being very sincere. I would take leave and go to a class because that was my getaway. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Someone can take it. There's no requirement to do that. And I would say, you know, if your primary occupation is, or is going to be something other than firearms training, the way the uh, kind of the same thing, the analogy I was giving with the legal aspects, the core business school obviously is geared towards firearms instructors, but the information is completely transferable. Like mm -hmm. this, you do an LLC for an ice cream shop, the same way you do an LLC for a, a firearms training business. Um, so you know, all that, all that plays into it. it absolutely. And, you know, just to, to also say to that, um, again, it's open to anyone, not just veterans. And in fact, um, part of the requirement to be eligible to accept GI Bill and educational benefits is 15% uh, of the makeup of, of a program has to be non they can be veterans, but they have to be non-VA funded and not school funded, meaning I can't just comp their seat. The intent, while I think misguided, the intent is that so someone doesn't throw up some BS thing to milk money out of it, which I get. And that has happened in the past. Yeah. Um, but I'm of the opposite mindset. I, I, as a veteran, I think, no, we need people building programs specifically for veterans, targeting targeting veterans because they have different needs and wants. So that's why I've structured our program like that is it's absolutely open and applicable to non-veterans, but it's optimized for veterans. And when I say for veterans, it's really more, it's optimized for adult learners. Okay. But it's set up as a business to be able for veterans to use their GI bill. Mm -hmm. and, and because that's just the reality is it's got to get paid for. So, so it's set up to use that because like, Take me, for example. Ironically, I got another letter today. So so I have a master's, but when I got done, I still had, I think, like nine months of benefits left. Well, mine, I didn't hit that window. Mine technically expired, or so I thought. I'm still not 100% sure. <laughs> had stuff like this existed, believe me, I would have done it. And I even considered at one point about going to an EMT school. I don't want to be an EMT. Ironically, that is the very first thing I went to college for. When I started college, it was to be an EMT, and now it's just like, eh. But now where life has taken me, I would love to have that knowledge. I will never be an EMT. I will never ride an ambulance, but I would like to have that knowledge or, you know, a dive instructor or, or any of the things that exist. I would, I would have wanted to do that. Um, ironically, they sent me a letter that all of a sudden, after 10 years of being out of school, they overpaid me, but can't tell me anything about it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the VA, but um, yeah, so it, it is applicable and, and, and open to people. And we, and, and, the other side of that is not only are we kind of required to, to have that, it is instrumental to the program because the other part of this, besides the truly educational side, as, as in certificates and stuff, is the transitional side. Um, my business, I've, I've seen kind of how it works. I've had, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 veterans come through here as employees. Some people need a transitional space as they figure out how to go from that military life to a life where people don't do things because you told them to. Or because people don't do things because it's a smart thing to do. People will do things that make no sense. And a lot of veterans, especially younger ones, have a hard time processing that. Um, also, if they're going to start a business in anything, they don't necessarily know how to manage. Hopefully, in the military, they learn how to lead at least a little bit. But leading and managing are two different things. And in the business world, not everyone's open to leadership. Sometimes you got to manage them. So those, those types of little nuances. So bringing in non-veteran people. Forces and acclimation and a, and, and a and emerging where they're starting to learn. Like I can't speak to everybody in acronyms. I can't. Every other word can't be a curse word. Like they learn to interact with people that are not um, military. Yeah. What does the program actually cost or programs? Yeah. So the um, 
the professional farms educators program, like the street price, like if you were going to cut a check, is ten thousand eight hundred dollars for the, the the full six month program. Hmm. Now, as each of these things happen, right? So as they're going through their pistol instructor block and their shotgun instructor block, all of this stuff is available a la carte to outside people. So if you're like, hmm. yeah, you know, I just always wanted to be an NRA shotgun instructor. Well, when that comes up in the schedule, you can sign up and take it. Not only is that you know a business thing, but also again, it's injecting new faces and people people in the program have to interact with. Um, it is eligible for GI Bill, vocational rehab, probably by about, I'm hoping, middle of the end of the summer, uh, we should be able to accept all student financial aid. So if mm -hmm. this is something you really want to do and you don't have GI Bill available to you, you can get a student loan for it just as you would for any other formal degree. Wow. Um, we're also working with several different organizations in our area to create different types of scholarships for it. Um, I am finalizing what I'm probably not the right word, but what I'm calling a work study program where basically you work off your tuition. So, and a lot of people will see additional benefit in that. So for example, you know, we're doing most of the classes here at the gun store. So, you know, you come to class two days a week and for every two days of class, you work one day. So you work off your tuition. So not only do you get to not have to pay that, but then you also get the benefit of the experience of working in a gun store at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, we are, I'm, I am working with a, uh, trying to get set up in place, like a kind of a third party financing. Um, so, and the thing is, is if somebody, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, I know your viewers don't know me, but I'm a pretty straight up, what you see is what you get kind of guy. Um, I want people in this program. So, you know, if someone came to me and, and presented me anything that kind of rationally made sense, um, I'd probably be down for it. I'm, I'm, I will work with people to figure out what we got to do to make them successful in it. You know, and that may help me. That may open an idea that I never thought about, but we're working with every conceivable payment, you know, option we can. Mm -hmm. But like I said, the PFEPS 10, eight and the, um, the security guard Academy is, um, uh, 5,400. So, so you're basically looking at 5,400 for every three months. So that's just kind of how the math plays mm -hmm. out. Um, and that includes every, everything you need to do it, to do the program. Um, the only thing, and I'm still playing with it. I obviously have some connects in the industry. I'm going to shot in a couple of weeks. Um, we're working with companies there. like Rock and Smith and Wesson directly, hoping to get them to be big time sponsors. We have a 511 Car Malone store here, so I'm working with them to come on as sponsors. Um, so, so what I'm hoping <clears throat> is when the student enrolls, they're also getting because uh, because if you are a veteran, get GI Bill, you're probably also going to get a five hundred dollar a semester. So for the PFAP, it'd be a thousand dollars total stipend for books and supplies. So that would come to us to cover the bulk of your um, ammo needs. And then anything else will probably get taken care of, to be quite honest. But um, that amount should cover everything you need to go through the program. And you'll probably leave with several thousand dollars worth of top end, very top end gear. Because we're not I, I'm looking at a stack of folders that I've prepared to approach people at SHOT Show. And this isn't a, anybody that will give us money can be a sponsor type thing. Each of these companies is hand-selected by me based on – I mean, I do paid consulting work for product companies. Um, you know, I've got medical products that I've designed that are you know have my logo on them. So I know what's crap and what's not. So um, – and, and I'm very protective of that because I realize a lot of these people coming through this program – what we give them and what we expose them to is going to kind of set the tone for it, and mm -hmm. especially for the ones coming from the military. There's generally two things. Either one, they think whatever the military has is the best in the world, which is absolutely wrong, or they hate everything the military has, and that's absolutely wrong too. So it's to readjust their expectations and their ability to objectively say, well, that's a great holster. That's garbage. Um, so part of that is we want to provide them all, you know, the gear they have is going to be, um, you know, top, top end stuff quality. Yeah. It's good, man. That's, uh, that's, that's great. Um, I want to ask you something here, uh, get your thoughts on, there's a phrase that, you know, is thrown around quite often in the industry, of course, and that is the importance of staying in one's lane. What are your thoughts on that? And, and, you know, where do you see that? Like, what, what would be some things that you would uh, offer to those watching, viewing, listening, especially if they're maybe even thinking about wanting to be a part of this program? Because here, here's one thing I kind of see is uh, I think it's a fantastic program, and they're going to get certified and trained in a bunch of different disciplines. 
But again, kind of back to where you sort of started, you know, there's a difference between being certified and being qualified. Yep. So um, that is a phrase that gets used a lot. You're correct. Uh, and actually, I'm looking through my notes because I had to do I took a I'm one of only, I think, 21 people. Uh, if you're familiar with Dave Spaulding, he mm-hmm. did an instructor class uh, in the last year and it was kind of a by invitation only type thing. Yep. And um, part of that course is we had to do like a, pre- a non firearms you know, specific presentation. And what I did was another little side project I got is I um, every once in a blue moon, I'll say something that's really smart. And I'll, uh, I'll copy kind of like a little quote. Right. And then uh, much more so other people say stuff. So what I started doing is, is keeping these. And I, my goal is to get to 365 of them. And I'm going to release kind of a quote of the day thing. But it's all centered around either education, integrity. Um, I forget what the other one is. But anyway, I, I use those to build a presentation. And that was one of the ones that was in there. And I, I, I kind of wrote it up. But basically, Yes. Staying in your lane means um, understanding what you know, but also more so understanding what you don't know. And there's some people and there's really no way for me to say this without sounding arrogant, but it's the truth. There's some of us that have a six lane highway so we can drift a little bit. I could talk about low light stuff, rifle stuff, you know, handgun stuff, but I also know my limitations. Can I shoot a precision rifle all day? Am I in a position where I, being honest, feel I could teach people precision rifle? No. So if I start mm-hmm. talking too much about precision rifle, that's when I start feeling my, my tire kind of rubbing the curb a little bit, right? <laughs> Some people are trying to drive a semi down a goat trail, okay? You need to chill out. Um, and we're at, that's a huge undertone of all of these programs is getting people to understand and have the intellectual and emotional integrity and intelligence to recognize who they are and who they are not. Now, the goal is to constantly, there's two goals. There's the goal of widening widening your lane, which is learning about more things. And there's also the goal of paving your lane, which is the depth of knowledge you know about things. So if you look at like a police officer, they have a pretty wide lane. They know a little bit about a lot of things. They're a gentleman. If you look at a brain surgeon, he has a narrow lane, but it's a concreted. It is that he knows that. Of course, he could say, yep, that looks like a broken leg to me. <laughs> but he's not an ear, nose and throat person. He's not a podiatrist like you got to understand those differences. So in almost everything we do professionally, we should be a specialist. But have a wide enough lane that we can generalize in those things that relate. Um, so. To that point, there's nothing wrong with trying to broaden your lane. It really, honestly, it's not so much about what you know about the thing you're talking about that either invokes or doesn't that that concept. It's how well do you know yourself and how honest are you about that? Let's be like, yeah. nobody likes to be wrong. Um, a video I got queued up to release is why I hate being right. And my thing I've always said is <clears throat> I'm a very outspoken. I'm a very confident guy. Some people would confuse that with arrogance. It's it, it's it's passion, but I just don't pull any punches. I'm honest about who I am. And if you come at me about something that I am, I'm going to defend it. But if you say, Brandon, you don't know crap about reloading. I'm going to say, you're right. I don't. I know nothing about reloading <laughs> at all. So <laughs> I don't talk to people about reloading, which is you know what I tell people is there's a couple of things. People say, oh, you you always think you're right. Yeah, I do. If I didn't think I was right, why would I be speaking? If I'm giving an opinion, I obviously think that opinion is correct. Um, and then the other one is, well, you just always want to be right. No, I don't. I want to be wrong. And what I mean by that is I believe we learn more from our mistakes in life than we do our successes. So while it may be something I am extremely knowledgeable in, when someone convinces me that I'm wrong and shows me and I'm like, and I, to the point that I realized, yes, I'm wrong about this point. I am sincerely, eternally grateful for that because now I can fix it. And what I say is the only thing I like more than being right is being wrong. Because once I realize I'm wrong, I can fix it. And now that's one more thing I could be right about. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a little bit of a tongue in cheek thing. But logically, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. When, when, when someone says, no, Brandon, that law actually says X, Y, Z, I'm like, 
I'm thankful. I'm not mad. I'm not embarrassed. I immediately own it. I don't assign any emotional value to it. I fix it. And then I move on. But to that individual, the fact, because I know how I can be when I'm arguing a point, the mere fact that they took the time and energy and effort to articulate to me where I got it, I am thankful for that effort. So um, the biggest thing is, is also recognizing when you're out of your league. Um, there are certain things that just most people can't touch me on in a knowledge perspective. And I'm proud of that because I know the effort I put into to knowing that. So when, you know, some 22 year old dude who just got his permit and is now teaching classes to the people in his village tries to argue with me about the law, I'm like, bruh, really? <laughs> but I try to move past that frustration because I was him. I was him. I knew everything, right? There's a, it's a maturity thing. When you yeah. get to a certain point, you stop assigning your value ego-wise to what people think you know. Like if everyone watching this thinks I have no idea what I'm talking about, that doesn't bother me because I know. And like to the people that matter, the people that matter know. And the people that don't know, unfortunately, don't matter because I'm going to focus on the people that matter in my life. Um, but yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something we throw out as almost like an insult, um, but and that's where I'm hoping our our program differentiates itself because that type of concept, like everything I just articulated, that is what we're that's the stuff in between the certifications that I'm talking about. That hopefully, when that person comes out, their value as an educator is more than just the stack of papers they've got in their binder. That's what I'm trying to create. Mm. Mm. Good answer. Good response. And I, by the way, I love the description of trying to drive a semi truck down a goat trail. <laughs> <laughs> that works really well. Uh, awesome. It's probably about time we start wrapping it up. I, I did want to ask you uh, one, one, maybe two last kind of follow up questions and actually somewhat unrelated to everything else up to this point. One would be what do you see as being the number one mistake that concealed carriers make? You mean from like a practices standpoint or anything mindset? Like, um, like just just looking at the con concealed carry community, if you will, uh, like it could be gear, it could be training, it could be practice. You know, like what? It, like broad. I know really broad questions. Just just one thing. Expectations of their capabilities are like a Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah, a lot of people go to a concealed carry class and walk away thinking like I got this, especially if they combine it with their forty years of of hunting. Right, um, that from a practical a mindset standpoint, and then also the kind of BS talking or braggadocious stuff online where, oh, if this would have happened, I would have done this. And it, what it does is it highlights what they don't know because they say stuff that's like, number one, no, Karen, you would not have done that. And two, Karen, if you had done that, you'd be dead or in jail. Um, so that comes from either this ego place of wanting to seem like I know something. It's like the guy in class that's asked the instructor a question with, well, isn't it true that? That's not asking a question. You're trying to show everybody what you know. That's yeah. not asking a question. So it's that. And then from a, um, if I could, if like from a practical standpoint, if I could stop one thing and um, I also do videos for uh, the firearms blog TV, TFB TV is one of the larger uh, firearm blogs. And one of the videos I did recently was the, um, and it was intentionally kind of poking a bear, but it was like the top five worst pieces of gun advice for women. And really, it it, sh it could have been for new shooters, but you know, I knew women would rile people up. Um, <laughs> if I could get people who who have the greatest of intentions at heart, but don't are getting out of their lane and trying to recommend guns to people to stop doing that, that'd be great. Like if I can never have another woman walk into my store with a J frame revolver, I will have considered my life a success. Um, <laughs> just as a point of fact, that is literally a J frame revolver for any new shoot is literally the worst possible piece of advice. There is no other firearm that inherently its characteristics work against a new shooter more. You are setting that person up for failure. I'm not saying you can't use it effectively. I'm not saying it's a bad gun. I'm saying if you have a new shooter and typically they can't operate a slide, it's it's simpler. It never malfunctions. Those are all absolutely false. You just haven't shot a revolver enough to know that. So if I can just get that to stop, I'd be I'd be ecstatic. Mm. Yeah. 
Good advice. Uh, and that, and I, I totally get what you're saying there. You just haven't shot a revolver enough to know just how hard it is to shoot. Most people own guns. They revolver. Don't shoot. Yep. yep. And then concealed carry, most people carry guns. They don't shoot it. Most people mm-hmm. buy a concealed carry gun, not really thinking about using it to sh- defend their life. They think about, I got to carry this. Yep. Okay. I was just having a conversation with a guy uh, this morning on social media. Uh, he was making all kinds of modifications to his carry gun, and I'm like, "So, um, tell me, you know, like what, 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 what have you gone through to test its reliability to know like this is still okay for or you? What have you gone through to necessitate that? True, thing? true. If it's not purely aesthetic. Like, why would I put a tailgate lift on my truck? I mean, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I don't need it. It's handy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you do need it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I could tell that by his response, he was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't think he had crossed his mind that, wait, I just, you know, lightened my slide. I just did this thing and that thing. And like, uh, you know, like I could tell, like he had, like, he's just thinking this is cool. I'm making this cool thing. Like, you know, personalized wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with just having painting a gun, whatever color scheme. I've got plenty of guns that, you know, that are not practical. Right. Being able to differentiate that is the thing. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so uh, excellent advice, Brandon. And thank you so much for being with us here on the Concealed Carry Podcast. We, we should have you back again at some point if you want to. Uh, and, and either get an update on things as, as you're progressing with the, the programs. But also maybe just to talk about other stuff. You know, because yeah. I'm sure there's lots that you can share with us. Hey, if I could just add one thing real quick yeah. uh, that I passed over. With these programs, one of the things we do too, um, and it's kind of an honor system thing. Um, believe it or not, is if anybody recommends someone like you refer, like anybody that saw this podcast, right, says, oh, I, I, my buddy wants to do this and they actually enroll. We do a three hundred dollar like referral fee. And again, I'm sure I'm going to get taken advantage of at some point, but it's it's, um, you know, shoot me an email. Hey, man, my buddy Bob's going to be calling you. And what we do is when we bring someone on board, we obviously do like an interview. You know, we're getting all that paperwork and we we ask. So. So if I genuinely, if it generally routes back to an individual, mm. then I, I mean, I'm again, you can ask where I'm a pretty honest dude. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Um, and then we also have, um, you know, flyers and I've got business cards and posters. So if anyone has a store or, or, um, that they want to put flyers up, um, you know, just to get the word out or, you know, to try to get $300 a person, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, shoot me an email, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll ship them out to you. And then um, uh, with that, and then if anyone watching happens to have like a retail business, um, I'll send you a bunch of business cards. And I mean, if you could just throw a business card in each order you ship out, mm. man, that really does help us out. It really does. Um, uh, and then other than that, just, you know, all our different social media pages we got and, um, you know, just get the word out. That's really what it is right now. It's just letting people know that stuff like this exists. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, folks, make sure you tell Brandon that you heard it on the Concealed Carry Podcast <laughs> and he needs to send Riley a check. <laughs> Don't forget. Awesome. Well, again, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, we should connect at Shaw Show or something. I'm sure you're going to be busy and I'll be busy oh, as you well. Be out but, there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Been there every oh, year yeah, for man. five hit, or six years. Up. I'll now. be running around. Cool. Yep. Hit me up. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll see you myself. And we'll, uh, are you going to any parties after? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm much into the party scene. That's where I do most of my business. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few things I'll be here and there. For TFB during the day, and we'll um uh-huh. we'll be out there. But yeah, we'll definitely connect. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, awesome, man. Well, guys, uh, again, just a reminder. Uh, today's episode honorarily brought to you by Null Attack. We'll say nolattack.com. That's where they can find yep. stuff about your training. Uh, you got St. Bernard Indoor Shooting Center. You got uh, anything with this. They can just uh, it's Nolatac Veterans Training Program. We've got Facebook pages. Follow them. Yeah. Facebook's going to be honestly the easiest way. I'm literally still working on the website for that program right now. Nice. So we have a Facebook page for each program, and then a general Nolatac Veterans Training Program Facebook page. So any messaging through that or any of the emails connected to that, all of that stuff comes through me. So I'll see it. Excellent. Uh, and then uh, also Guardian Nation, uh, today's episode sponsor. So GuardianNation.com, you guys know where to find it. And so with that, we're going to let you go. And so until next time and next week, by the way, and I think you know this dude, uh, Brandon, but uh, next week on Tuesday, we're doing an episode with Matt Lanfair. Yeah. 
So, uh, folks, uh, look forward to that. We'll enjoy uh, chatting with Matt. And until then, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.